just enjoy the music of Christmas. I don't need any gifts to feel all Christmassy inside. <laughs> yeah, right. You guys will believe anything. You're listening to a fan podcast of Paws and Tales. I'm Austin. And I'm Michael. From the Bay of Tranquility to Wild Mountain. And everywhere in between, we're your guides through this world of mystery, morality, and talking animals. Join us as we take a walk through Wildwood. Merry Christmas, everybody. Okay, this may not be right around Christmas, but we're reviewing a Christmas episode today. Hello, my name is Austin Peachy. Hello, my name is Michael LeFevre, and it's Christmas for me. Doesn't matter what time am I in, what time zone am I I'm like a different time zone than Austin, so... That that counts. Like, it's Christmas over where I live, but it's not Christmas where he lives, which is why he's complaining about it. Also, some time travel there again, because the review for this episode, The Perfect Christmas Gift, comes from the Odyssey Geek podcast feed, originally released on February 24th, 2021. That it did, which also wasn't Christmas. That is true. It, we recorded it, like, the month after Christmas and released it, like, two months after Christmas, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this episode first. Let's do the episode summary and then... Review the episode. Let's do it. A mysterious illness hits the residents of Wildwood, which turns their Christmas plans into disarray. Here we go. Feliz Navidad! So, the episode we're talking about is The Perfect Christmas Gift. It was written by David Carl, directed by David Carl, music by Tim Hoffman, sound design by Eric Basil, and the song at the end, The Perfect Christmas Gift, was written by Sandy Howe and I believe also sung by her. So starting... Hold up. Tim Hosman? That wasn't John Campbell? Ooh, I was wondering if you're going to notice that or not. Ooh, oh, mm. I got to go back and listen to that again because I could have sworn it was John Campbell. <laughs> it's not? Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, this... I was hoping that we would have reviewed this episode uh, before this one, but episode number... Let's see. Episode number nine is his debut on Paws and Tales writing music for the episodes... So this is only his, I think, his fourth or fifth episode writing music for the show. So it'd be interesting to go back and listen to that first episode with his mu- with his music and see what you think of it there. Maybe it was just because it was the Christmas themed music in the score that I I didn't I thought it was still Campbell, but I can clearly hear that there are different instruments and different synthesizations going on, and the song at the end sounded extremely different. So that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I guess I could save this for later, but I will say that Tim Hosman pretty much takes over the entire job of scoring the episodes from John Campbell, I think possibly about halfway through or near the end of season one. And I think John Campbell's music is basically just in season one of the show, I think. Because Tim Hosman is basically the major uh, person doing the music for the majority of the series. Well, hey, nothing personal about John Campbell. I like him, but I, I'm glad we're I'm glad there's a, a slightly different composer for the rest of the series. I'm I'm happy about that. Yeah, and actually, it's another tie into Odyssey because Tim actually did music for a handful of Odyssey episodes as well. Off the top of your head, can you remember which ones they are, or a few of them? Why would you? No, I don't. <laughs> that was the thing. I was hoping you were going to ask me. No, I don't remember what, what episodes he did. <laughs> All right. Well, I actually have the list right here. I got from AIO Wiki. <laughs> <laughs> what else? I probably edited that page. I don't know. <laughs> probably sometime you did. Anyway, his first episode scoring music for Odyssey was way back in album two. He did Stormy Weather. Yeah, and I can't... That episode is such a classic. I can't tell it's him. A similar similar thing there. Yeah, and then he did Hidden in My Heart. Okay, that makes sense. 
And then he did two episodes from the Blacker Chronicles, Checkmate and Another Chance. Which is the best music of the Blacker Chronicles, just saying. They're so much different from the other episodes. Yeah. And The Secret Weapon. Okay, yeah, makes sense. And more recently, Game for a Mystery. Oh. When You're Right, yeah. You're Right, Square One. And his most recent episode to score music for Odyssey was Wooten Knows wait, wait, Best. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, I was going to guess that one. Yeah, because that music definitely is not Campbell. You can you can tell if you listen to it. Mm-hmm. Back in um, Album 51, Game for a Mystery was written by, what's his name, Kirby Atkins, I think. And having Tim Hosman's score also underscored the fact that this is a slightly different crew on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually prefer his music and Paws and Tales quite a bit more. I mean, the early episodes that he had scored in Odyssey, I can't really tell. I mean, I can tell it's a little bit different, but it, I think it fits more. I think with Album 51 and 54, those episodes, because they are quite different, the music stands out yeah. a lot more, I think. Um, And I was talking to Allie, or Arista, my co-host for The Blackguard Chronicles, and she was saying, the Blackguard music is so good. And I said, yeah, it's because it wasn't by John Campbell. And she said, that makes sense. So that was um that we both really like the Blackguard music for those two episodes. Well, we have actually not talked about this story at all quite yet. That's interesting. interesting. <laughs> but it's been fun talking about this. I was I was thinking this would happen when we reviewed uh, God with the Wind is the episode that he first does the music for, I think. But this has still been a fun discussion. All right. So the episode starts in a little bit different way. Paws and Tales, the episodes usually begin with the narrator talking. And this is one of the few times I think that it does not. It goes right into the episode with the characters talking did you notice that at all i didn't make a note of it but i noticed it i i and in that i liked how the dialogue started right off the bat and how we got right into the i guess the character motivation for cj i i didn't really notice oh hey there's no narration here but uh if that's if that's what you're looking for so long long answer no short answer yes one of those two (laughs) okay and I found it interesting that the kids are talking about like how they go about asking for presents and their experience getting them. And I actually identified with one of the characters, and that was Ned. Uh-huh. Because he says that he gives a list with item numbers and prices. <laughs> because I I know people ask, like well, they may at people may ask, okay, they want more specific things, like, okay, what color or where can I find this? So I think for the past two or three years or so, when I wrote my Christmas list for things people can get me. I'll either put like the model number or the price range or uh, the price and the stores it can be found in just to make it easier for them. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm, su- I'm not because I'm, you know, I'm exactly wanting these items. These are just, I try to get as many as possible on there just so they have a, you know, a broad range, but I try to make it as easy as possible for other people. I don't think it's being too, uh, a gift registry for yourself. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but yeah, I guess so. <laughs> So how do you go about it? What about what the doing that for you personally? Like to give idea of what you would like for Christmas? Uh, no, because over the last couple of years, it's usually been just one thing that I wanted, like uh, one big Lego set. Actually, last year I was collecting the uh, ge- uh sort of geeky moment right here. Uh, I was I'm a huge Lego fan, and so I was collecting the Lego modular buildings uh back in Christmas last year. So I just said, hey, can I get this set? And my parents were like, sure. And so. I got that. It was it was it's not really a huge surprise, but there's usually only one thing that I want. And over the past couple of years, there hasn't really been anything that I really wanted because I've it's been a little bit of maturing a maturing process for me to realize I, I don't really need anything. I, I have everything I want. And so this past Christmas, I didn't ask for anything, um, which was surprising. And the, the, the few little presents that I got, I think I only got one present uh, and 
I got also got some some money from my parents, which was something I I'd, I'd wanted because I mentioned, "Ah, I need some money, so I need to do some work to to get it because I've been spending some at college." And then they just came out and gave me money. I thought, "Oh, that was that was, that was great. I appreciate that." So I I kind of like having fewer presents for me. So I would say I really identify with Marsha before she said, "Ha ha, you guys yeah, what you guys are so gullible or something." And so I thought, "What? No. That's actually what I think." So I personally wouldn't make a gift registry for myself if that's the way to put it, but if if that's the most efficient way to do it, yeah, sure, you do you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I've gotten to the age too where I don't really care that much about what I get. I just know people like to give an, get an idea of what I would like if they wanted to get me something. So I just try to you know, mm-hmm. throw that out there, and I got a few of the things on my list, um, but it didn't really matter much to me. Um, we may talk about this later, but uh, I had more fun watching the rest of my family and my nieces open presents a lot more than I actually enjoyed opening gifts not that i didn't like the gifts i got i had so much more fun watching people open my gifts that i gave them or from other people a lot more yeah yeah roy from audio theater central and i reviewed a christmas conundrum and that is a huge thing in that episode of what am i getting other people not what am i getting myself mm-hmm. i also want to mention i stand by my statement that goose is the best character on this show so <laughs> cute so awesome she's talking about how she keeps forgetting what she asked for last year so now she has three footballs yeah <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, and also uh, they talk a little bit about uh, gifts that don't get used much. And CJ talks about oh, like how you went all this, you went through all this rigmarole trying to get a train set for Christmas. He gets it, and he's like just a couple times, and it's under his bed. Which I can totally relate to that manipulation. Also, is what he was doing. Well, not the manipulation part. That wasn't what I related to. But <laughs> I was thinking you were saying it. And so when you sent me this episode, I was thinking, okay, what could this relate to? And then CJ was talking about how he was uh, doing that and all that to get the train set. And I thought, Maury. <laughs> I actually did not think about that at all. <laughs> but what were you saying? What's relatable for me is I've gotten gifts in the past and I've used it me like on Christmas Day, the day after Christmas. And that's about it. And actually, there's at least one gift that I got that I still have yet to use. Oh, no. <laughs> and it kind of drives home the point that, you know... It doesn't really matter what you get on Christmas. It's, you know, the memories you make, you know, the idea that someone actually gave you a gift that thought enough of you, enough of you to give you a gift that I I treasured more. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there's a line from, uh, what is it? Peace on Earth, an odyssey where Jimmy says, I usually stop playing with my presents the day after Christmas anyway. Exactly. <laughs> it's so true. And it's funny, too. Uh, CJ's talking about, you know, winning a canoe for Christmas. And, uh, and Stacy has a line about, like, uh that'll look great sticking out from under your bed (laughs) i love that line and also we get an idea of you know cj's you know perception of christmas um he says it's about christmas it's about your parents giving and you receiving having the best christmas ever i think marshall says you're a giver and then neg goes i think i'm gonna cry yeah (laughs) and that kind of confused me a little bit i listened to that line a couple times because i'm trying to write it down verbatim as much as i could as close as i could and I don't get the line where Marsha says, like, you're a giver. Like, it doesn't sound like he's a giver. She's saying that sarcastically or because he's given that information. Okay, so this is sad because I just skipped over that line thinking, okay, Austin's going to talk about that. We, and, but the same thing happened in a Christmas conundrum where Roy and I had no idea what was going on in one of the lines. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe she's being sarcastic and Ned is saying, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry. You're so moving. Or, oh, I'm going to cry. This is so so funny or or what i i don't know i don't think it's important to the plot and i'm willing to move on yeah i think ned's being sarcastic about what <laughs> cj said but the you're a giver line i think it had been cut and i think it, it made the joke a little bit more tighter there yeah i would i would agree with that 
And you mentioned it earlier, Marsha's uh, laughing there. I that is probably the most grating thing in this episode. It sounds more like it so, sounds much more like a cackle. And I know it's an adult. It's Chris Anthony playing Marsha there, but it sounds so unlike a kid there. I think it could have been better. Like oh, just like a giggle, more of a giggle than a cackle would have been better. I think. Yeah, it doesn't sound like sweet little Marsha, honestly. I know. <laughs> and I thought it was Goose at first when I was listening. <laughs> That's funny. And that, that didn't make sense. And I went back and listened to it on the review. And I thought, wow, I missed so much this first time listening to this episode. And they also mentioned this is a little bit past the you know first couple of episodes. But they talk about there's one more Saturday and Papa Chuck will help him get the roof on the fort. So at this oh. point, the, the fortress has been worked on quite a bit. Well, that's cool. That's good to hear they're still expanding that storyline. Mm-hmm. And then we're introduced, well, I guess not introduced, but I guess your first introduction to Mayor Boggs. I don't think they mentioned his last name in this. Before we move on, can I mention a pet peeve that I have all throughout this episode and that starts on the first scene? Go ahead. Okay. uh, I think almost everyone in the club, except maybe Marsha, maybe including Marsha, has this white noise on their mic. Or not this white noise, but this high-pitched squeal. I was wondering if you picked that up. Yeah, yeah. So I was listening to Jonathan Park, uh, the first three series I'm done with, and I just started series four. It's uh, I, I, I know you said series one and two are pretty terrible. I thought series one was eh. series two is good and series three is top notch, like better than stuff that Odyssey does. I love it. And what series one and two have a problem with is the white noise on the mics. And I I can do it if they would send me the background noise in their studio. I will be able to edit out the the white noise with maybe three clicks. It's not hard. And I don't know when these episodes were produced of Paws and Tales, but again, editing out that squeal would not be hard. I don't think at least. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just spoiled. I've I've heard this episode. I probably listened to this one the least amount of times of the Christmas episodes Paws and Tales has done. But I did not notice that noise until i heard it in the car i've listened to it like on headphones i listened to it on headphones i think uh listening to it for the review and listened to it with at least like uh a while back i think it was just one ear and then i played it uh i was taking a trip uh down to my college and i was playing the story for my sister and i noticed in the car i could hear it it was so annoying like i never picked that up before <laughs> like with just the right speakers like with my headphones i couldn't really tell but the way my car stereo is, it, I can pick it up because I think it's CJ, Mrs. Bradbury, I think maybe Ned, and a few others. And I think it's also because near the beginning of the show, I think a lot of the actors were in California. I think Inside for Living actually was in California around that time. Yeah. And later on, I think they moved to Texas. And some of the actors they had, I think, around in Texas. And some of them they recorded in California. So I'm thinking some were, like, you know, professionally recorded in a professional studio. And the uh, some of the others weren't. And mm. I'm not sure how much Eric Basil had done on sound design. I mean, he had done, I think, I think he did all the episodes leading up to this one. Maybe not all of them. I'm not sure how uh, much he had done with audio drama before. Um, so I'm thinking that was probably just a little uh, mistake there. And I don't think I've I don't th- I haven't picked it up on any other episodes, but that'll be something that we can keep an ear out for. Oh yeah, I would definitely will. So back to Mirror Boggs. Um, I think this is his second episode. Um, but they don't mention his last name in this. I just want to make sure that you know who that is. He does appear a few times on the show. He's not a major character. Okay. He is kind of a. I don't know what animal he's supposed to be. I don't think it's ever mentioned in the series. But he sounds like he's a very energetic kind of person, and he kind of like laughs quite a bit um he doesn't as much in this episode 
but he he's a I think he's a kind of a fun character and not the kind of person you really think that would be a mayor prob- probably and it's I think it's kind of a unique uh character for him. So maybe a badger or an aardvark or something? Maybe, maybe. I was thinking of like what kind of animal besides like a weasel like goose would be kind of like that kind of energetic kind of jittery or something like that. Mhm. And not nervous like Marsha is a deer. Mhm. Or a moose. Moose? Oh. Yeah, Miss Harbor's okay. a deer. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Anyway, so, and he talks about Wildwood being part of a Christmas decorating contest. And for 13 years, how lucky is that, um, they have not won uh, the contest. Well, technically, this would be the 14th year, so... Yeah, right? because we, they didn't... Spoiler alert, uh, they don't win <laughs> this year. They win something much bigger. <laughs> Actually, wait, no, it, this would be the 13th year since they won. I'm just trying to do the math in my head. Okay. Um, well, you're so, the better person at math. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I did pretty well in Calc 2, or Calc 1. I haven't taken out Calc 2 yet. Anyway, tangent, go ahead. Um. Anyway, he talks about they're getting the old display from a neighboring town, Frontera, and he goes on about, like, can you imagine how big the city is? They have a whole committee that they do all this, like, decorating the town and all that. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny, like, you know, that kind of, you know, showing that this is a really small town. Yeah, but the thing is, if they're borrowing decorations from another town that had excellent Christmas decorations the previous year, won't the judges know that the decorations are just being reused? Uh, I didn't really think about that, unless they did some remodeling <laughs> to it, which they do, but not in the way they were atten- intending. Right, so I guess it's fine that it ended up being for nothing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because they might have come in and like, oh, wait, this is last year's from the other town. Disqualified. <laughs> do it. Uh, I also want to mention that, is this a problem? In terms of the theology of the episode, is it a problem that they're excited about getting the town decorated with these Christmas decorations? I don't think it's wrong i'm not i'm not quite sure what you're um implying there well because the point at the end of the episode is it's not about the decorations or the lights or the presents or the or anything like that it's about jesus christ which i have a lot of thoughts about the moral of this episode i actually think this might be my least favorite episode of the four and we can talk more about it at the end but um it seems like there might be a subtle message here that these people are so excited about putting up these decorations that they're losing sight of the meaning of christmas so is are they is the episode saying that the decoration itself or the decorating that they were doing was problematic? I don't think so. I think Okay. I think that's just part of the tradition like CJ too. Like you expect to get Christmas presents, you expect to give them, you expect decoration, you expect all these things. I mean it, it comes with the territory. It's not necessarily wrong, but if all your focus is on that, which I don't I can't speak for the entire town. We only hear more from CJ than anybody about it. But the way they're doing like it's, I don't think it's wrong that they were, you know, trying to enter a contest, um, you know, and this kind of thing. I mean, it's, you know, you know, kind of a, uh, what do you call, uh, town spirit or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. But I think more of the lesson comes down to, like, it doesn't necessarily matter if we have perfect decorations. If we have decorations that as long as we know what the season really is about, then it's good. I mean, yeah, I'll get into that later if we have time. Okay. And in that same scene, we get the probably antagonist or the uh, the driving force. I'm not sure what I'm not quite sure what you call it. The conflict, I should say, the big conflict, inciting action. Yes, exactly. Uh, where the sailors that bring in this uh, display or the decorations are sick, and they start coughing, and someone about fainted over with with an easily transmittable virus that infects the respiratory system. Uh-huh. 
And then we also introduce, I'm pretty sure it's the same person because he's mentioned a lot, but I think this is his only appearance. His name's Doc Lowell's, I think his name. It's almost like sometimes people, it almost sounds sometimes like people are saying mole or moles, but there he's mentioned quite a bit. I think he's the only doctor in town. Mm-hmm. I don't think they mentioned his last name. They just call him Doc or Doctor. Um, but I think this is his only episode, if I'm not mistaken, which is sad because I think, I think he was a pretty good character, even though it wasn't, you know, major, I think was a good uh inclusion for him in this episode yeah he seemed like he had a good personality i liked the scene where he was talking to papa chuck and was it nana cindy is that her name yeah yes i got it yeah when he's talking to them i like his his voice inflection and stuff and this actually you talked about it earlier i sent this episode to you because i wanted to talk about it this year even if we didn't record it but this episode i listened to it about a year ago me over a year ago and i listened to it this year any last month or so, I guess I should say. I'm recording this. We're recording this at the end of December, near the end of December. I think I think I listened to this in November, maybe. Yeah. And I hadn't heard it in a long time, and I I kind of knew the story. I was listening to it again, like, whoa, whoa, this is so much like 2020. It's it's weird. It's like it, it was almost like it feels like it was written for this year, even though it was came out like you know almost probably almost 20 years ago. No, so there are two sides of my brain. One side is the conservative COVID policy side, which I don't really want to go down right now. And the other side is the I love 2020 because college and stuff and people I've met at college and things like that, which people who have listened to certain episodes of reviews with Ryan and will know what I'm talking about. So I'm like, sure, I'll listen to an episode about uh, this weird infection that is kind of, I don't know, applicable to my situation right now. But I just want to be done with all of this. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. <Help. laughs> but I think I think it's I think it's I think the coolness of it is, you know, some stories you read or listen to or watch and then when you revisit those, it has a whole new meaning for you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Because for me, personally, I know I was listening to like, wow. I mean, for me, 2020 hasn't affected a whole lot of my Christmas celebration activities a whole lot. Um, because of where I'm living, um, there's not as big restrictions and stuff like that. But I know people that are going through difficulties that are, you know, in the hospital for Christmas or, or you know, have someone died around Christmas or some, something like that. Um, which I can, it's kind of relatable. I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to hear from people listening to this if this episode was relatable, more relatable to you or not. But I couldn't help, you know... All this year, you and hearing all the stuff. So whenever you hear sickness or something like that, you kind of, your brain kind of goes to COVID or whatever. Yep. But I like, I like how this episode has like a kind of a new life of its own now, and it, and it speaks to some people now that are dealing with harder things. And I think you and I are. I would. I don't want to downplay what people are going through, but I think. I, I have to say, me personally, I've been very blessed. It hasn't affected me a whole lot, my family a whole lot either. And uh, But I know other people have had, you know, a harder time with Christmas this year. Yeah. Yeah, CJ and Goose have an interchange later on in the episode that I honestly do not know how I feel about. And I'm anxious to talk about when we get there. Okay. Yeah, about what, what we're just talking about that I think encapsulates part of the moral pretty well. Okay. So, uh, there are some other mentions about, you know, no one's supposed to leave town and they don't say quarantine, but they talk about people are supposed to stay home. Um, and also contact tracing. (laughs) Yeah. 
And uh, also, like, where you might feel better, but after a while, you get sick again. Yeah, which also scares me, because no, that's not the way this virus works, right? <laughs> right. Okay, we're good now. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, I have heard from some people that, not people that I know personally, but they seem to have, like, at least in the hospital, I think have taken, you know, gotten better, and they seem they are doing better, and then they get even worse, and then possibly die later on. So that that was kind of what my brain was thinking about when hearing some of that, too. Anyway, uh, moving on, uh, Papa Chuck, um, after helping the sailors, poor guy, yeah, him and CJ are going to uh, another town to do some kind of job, and he starts, uh, you know, kind of passing out. And it, I think it's a, I think it's a fairly good scene there. However, when he's like, "Oh, I gotta drive, in, I gotta, you know, park in this farmhouse or whatever," like you don't have to say it because you can probably tell that in the scene that comes after it. That's true. Yeah. So that me a little bit the wrong way but i think mm-hmm. it's fast enough that unless you know the two of us you know are very meticulous about you know reviewing stuff uh you more than me <laughs> um that i don't think most people would probably uh have a problem with that but that's something that i picked up as phil lawler would say it's one line it's one sentence <laughs> it's one nitpick <laughs> i'm like no i'm still gonna talk about it you wrote it um but i also want to mention i really uh feel i don't know i empathize or whatever i i I know what CJ is thinking in this scene because he has no idea what's going on with Papa Chuck. He's really excited about the canoe and he's like, Hey, hey, can we, can we talk, can we tell a story by the time we get there? And the Papa Chuck is like, no, I don't want to. And and CJ is like, okay, how about I tell you about my Christmas present? And then um, Papa Chuck faints or, or whatever. And I, I, I've been in situations like that where I'm really excited about something. I don't, I'm just oblivious to the other person. Then I realize, Oh, okay. Sorry about that. (laughs) So that was funny. So we are introduced to the Bradburys, which these are just one off characters. Bridges. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to just wanted to get that. Good job. Uh, yeah, uh, right I was wondering there. if you'd pick that up. Yay. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Continue. No, that's okay. I wonder I was wondering if you'd pick it up if it was Sam. Yep, yep, yep. I'm getting better at understanding his voice or recognizing his voice rather. Mm-hmm. And his uh I liked his talk, uh Mr. Bradbury with uh CJ. Um CJ kind of, I mean, he doesn't criticize it. He kind of questions, like, why they have so few so few decorations, why they have a tree made of fence boards um, or whatever that was, and then, like, where are all the presents and stuff. And he kind of tapers his uh, his talk about, you know, he kind of encapsulates what he what he thinks Christmas is about. He says, oh, it's all about Christmas. Uh, Christmas is all about giving, which he kind of talks about that la- later, but it's more like other people giving to him and him not. <laughs> um, and then he says, well, here I thought I had it all wrong about Christmas. And he goes on to spew about it, which I thought, I thought was kind of funny, kind of like a reverse, kind of like reverse psychology there to make him think. What did you think about that? Well, the episode hits me a little bit differently in the way that it presents CJ, because listening to CJ talk until he says Christmas is all about giving. There are a couple people in today's culture who I've heard. Uh, in the past month or something, say something like that about Christmas or Hanukkah or something. And I think, eh, no. Um, but all the things he was saying about, well, I mean, usually we put up a few more decorations. That seems pretty reasonable to me. And that's why I think CJ's different from like Annie in the day after Christmas and Odyssey or Courtney in a time after or a time for Christmas in their expectations of Christmas. Whereas Annie and Courtney were very, I guess, straw man-ish about what Christmas is like. CJ is pretty down to earth. Um, and yet that small expectation of Christmas was upturned by what Mr. Bradbury had to say. So I I like what he had to say. I think the execution later on is different, and I'll talk about that then. But 
I do like his advice here to to CJ, and it was a little bit um, uncomfortable to hear him say, well, now I'm embarrassed all over, realizing I've been wrong about what Christmas is really about. I thought it was about Jesus. And then Mr. Bradbury picks CJ up like a volleyball and spikes him over the net. No, <laughs> it was... um. It was it was interesting the way that he kind of uh, kind of went about telling CJ about uh, well I think you're missing the point here. Well, I think also it doesn't they don't mention a whole lot, but he is a poor farmer. He yeah. is you know a country a country person, and I think the way he talks it sounds like people you know that are very you know very you know people are very simple. They're very you know aren't rich people or very you know down to earth people, and I think it fits with that. I don't think it was. Came across a whole lot. I think uh, Goose talked about it later, like, yeah, he's a poor farmer, guys. Yeah. And there's not really that much mention of it earlier. It, it's like kind of, you know, very subtle. So I'm thinking that if they had brought that up a little bit, I think it probably would have made more sense. Maybe a little bit. I did get the idea that when, um, if we're in a farmhouse and if he is a farmer in this scene, I didn't necessarily have to know that he is a poor farmer. Um, it might have helped a little bit. I don't know. But even if he were more well off, I feel like he's the kind of guy who wouldn't put more decorations into it. Although maybe he would. I don't know. I mean, he's just so busy. He's not doesn't have time to do it. Yeah, good point. And he mentions that it sounds like the disease or whatever that they have sounds like something that uh, he has saw when he was a kid. And he calls it rigors. And when I heard this, I was wondering, like, is that like a kind of a made-up phrase kind of thing for it? Like, uh, you know, like a made-up disease? But I actually Googled it before we started with this, and... It actually is not necessarily a super uh, formal medical term, but rigors is um, basically what they talk about in this episode. A sudden feeling of cold with shivering accompanied by rising temperature, often with copious sweating, especially at the onset uh, or height of a fever. Lung congestion? Um, it doesn't mention it on this one. Okay. I think they kind of, you know, add some more to it. It sounds like it's more like, you know, like a, um, you know, like a a common name for it but not the actual name for it but it sounds like it's a real disease or a real condition yeah well that's what the doctor or doc doc moles was saying uh later on when he said it's not in any of the medical books but i called up uh, some of the doctors in the area or whatever he said and asked about the rigors and they knew what it was mm-hmm. which brings up i'm not sure if you really noticed this um we'll probably see this uh a little bit further in the series but have you noticed the time period that these episodes take place um like notice how different they are yeah see well not necessarily different maybe i'm maybe my head is just stuck in the early 1900s and that's where i am but it seems like that's actually kind of how it's supposed to be because there's it's not a modern it's not you can probably tell it's not a modern thing there's like really no modern stuff like basically nothing past i think radio and telegrams is the, like the newest technology that they have, basically. Okay. And he talks about the doctor talks about you know tele, uh, telegraphing different places. Okay. And I'm sure we'll probably talk about this later, but I find it interesting and me one of the reasons I like it so much. It doesn't. They don't specifically say what time period, like what year this is, because you know this is kind of like an alternate universe kind of thing with you know with all the animals talking and everything, and like taking kind of some of our you know history or whatever. But I kind of that I think ties into kind of the timeless feel of the show i think no absolutely and that's the big criticism of album 69 the latter half of album 69 of odyssey is oh you're way too technologically advanced and stuff and it's gonna not be relatable in the future and i think well i still have to review these episodes so i want to figure out how i feel about it but i think everyone agrees yes these episodes are timeless the that we're we're listening to or the one that we're covering right now Mm -hmm. um 
if you don't include technology, then naturally you are going to be timeless. If you include technology, you have to figure out how to make it timeless or even not make it timeless, how to still make it good, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And there was one other thing I didn't really notice much at first, but when Papa Chuck gets back to Wildwood and he's talking with the doctor and I think Mr. Bradbury's there, there's this record or someone singing outside or something, Silent Night, and it's so warbled. It's it's kind of distracting. It's, it is. I don't know if it's like, it sounds like a record or a really you know bad cassette tape or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking a cassette tape. I, I heard that on my second listen through and I realized, oh, wait, that is there. I didn't notice it in my first listen through. And then in when I realized it was there in the second one, I thought, okay, if I want to pay attention to this, then it's annoying. If I don't want to pay attention to it, that's fine. I can just ignore it. Yeah, I think this could have been better, but it does kind of, you know, reference later on what song we sung later. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. And around that time, um, uh, CJ gets a present, a small present from the Bradburys, um, telling them that it'll make it the best Christmas ever. Which, I mean, yes, but at the same time, thoughts. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, again, I keep saying this all the time in my reviews, but I'll talk about it later. Um, can I, can I just jump? Right before then, uh, when the town is setting up the, yeah, the Christmas fine. display. So one line that I thought was interesting is they're setting up palm trees. And I thought, wait, palm trees? Is that real? And I, I realized, well, I mean, they there were palm branches. It's Palm Sunday when Jesus rode into, uh, rode into Jerusalem the week before Easter. So I thought, well, I mean, I'm guessing there were palm trees in the Middle East and in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. That's fact check true? I don't know. I suppose so. Yeah, I didn't really notice that much. I have seen some, like, nativities have palm trees, like, in the background or nearby. Because, you know, you're not going to get, like, a Douglas fir or something in there Yeah, make it accurate. I mean, I don't know if they have that over there or not, but palm trees are probably the most accurate. The forest of Lebanon, King Solomon. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you noticed, too, because sometimes I can hear sound effects were used in certain shows. And um, when they're, it talks about, you know, everybody, you know, putting this display up, everyone's laughing, having a good time. I hear this this laugh, and it's, it's the laugh near the end of, I'm pretty sure it's some of the laughter that was used from Odyssey's, uh, I think it's Esther, uh, Bernard and Esther part one, <laughs> when uh, Bernard talks about like, uh, oh, they sit down for a drunken party or something like that about the king. Really? It sounds like it's really over the top. Yeah. Go, you should go and listen to that and see if you can hear some of the laughter using the sound effects in that. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll go check that out. And just one quick thing before we move on. Um, Mr. Bradbury says that he got a present that he gave CJ when he was a pup. And it's interesting. They don't tell like what animal he is. So a pup could mean like, you know, a dog, um, a seal, I think. Oh, <laughs> um, I feel like a seal would be a little too out of the box. Yeah, maybe, but actually there is a walrus that shows up later or actually maybe before this. Oh, okay. That'll be, that'll be fun to see. Wait, so wit. <laughs> no, <laughs> that'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, moving on. Um, we have the first appearance of the character of Nana Cindy, which is Papa Chuck's wife, who is played by, mm -hmm. can you guess who? Ah, Chris. Yep, Chris Anthony. <laughs> Spoilers. Yes, Chris. <laughs> and uh, we have, I think she, she's not in a lot of episodes in the series, but she's in some pretty major important episodes later on. I'll say that. Well, I wanted to mention before we jump to her, if that's okay. Okay. Um. There's a scene in between the one where Mr. Bradbury gives CJ the present and the one where Nana Cindy first appears, where it's it's said that they're putting the patients into the church and that's kind of their quarantine area. And um, someone, I think it's is it the doctor who's talking to the mayor and says that the way the the, uh, the virus or the sickness works is that if you're 
uh, in contact with somebody, then you'll come down with it in 24 hours or you don't get it at all. Mm-hmm. Which, if all the COVID worked like that, <laughs> we would be – this would have been over back in May if that were the case. But because <laughs> the virus is like a two-week period, that that makes it a whole lot worse. And the fact that also later on the doctor says to Papa Chuck, you got to be – you got to stay here for three days. And he says, three days? I think two weeks. <laughs> you know nothing about <laughs> Like I'm not you well not you know nothing but like, we we've seen a lot harder this year than than that yeah but another thing was this virus seems to affect everybody more than just the old and vulnerable which is the way that it looks like the virus is working and mm-hmm. tweet at me if you disagree but um it's obviously this virus is a lot more serious in some ways so I'm guessing because later on like um some of the kids go in to see Marsha. And I'm guessing some of them have been already exposed to it and didn't get it, maybe. And that's why they were allowed in. Because later on, Nana Cindy and Papa Chuck come in after he's you know, recovered and to come into the hospital or the church to help, too. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it doesn't... It would be, I mean, pretty dark if you get it. And then as soon as you're in contact with it again, you get it again. Which would be, yeah, not great. But I pictured Marsha maybe standing six feet apart from the rest of them, opening <laughs> opening the door of the church and talking that way. Well, then again, they would have had to go up to give her the present, so maybe they just all have clear masks or something, or just masks. I don't know. I bought a couple clear masks, and they're, they're pretty cool. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> um, uh, actually, before we get to the scene there, um, another sound effect uh, thing I thought was interesting was when the doctor comes to talk to Nina, Cindy, and Papa Chuck. Yeah, yeah. You hear crickets outside the door. Oh, okay. Do crickets really... Do crickets come out in winter? Like, do they... Do you hear a lot of crickets at night in the winter? I don't think so. I've seen crickets in the winter, but usually, like, inside. I don't usually hear them at night. Yeah, well, here's... Okay, so for winter sound effects, I just had this idea. Maybe I'll make good, uh, be a good sound designer. I have no idea. Uh, in the summertime, you hear crickets in the evening. In the wintertime, you hear wind in the evening. Because that was back in Peace on Earth. I listened to that episode mm-hmm. recently where Wit and Tom are bustling around Wit's end. And Tom says, Wit, slow down. And you can hear wind in the background when he opens the door. Mm-hmm. And that kind of indicates to me, okay, that's nighttime. Yeah. It doesn't talk a whole lot, I think, that there's really any snow yeah. right now. I know there is snow mentioned, and they have snow in other Christmas episodes, but I don't think in this episode they mentioned there is any snow. Plot twist, they live in Ecuador. <laughs> <laughs> Can I mention a couple things about Nana Cindy real quick? Sure. So there's a great line where uh, she's taking care of Papa Chuck, and I like her voice inflection at the beginning, and uh, she's being kind of tough on him and papa chuck says were you this tough when i married you yes <laughs> and she what i think she said yeah but i just didn't show it or yeah, something. yeah i kept it a secret yeah and then um when the there's a knock on the door or i think it's a knock on the door she goes to the door they answer it and instantly her voice becomes uh like super sweet i think wait <laughs> that's not the that's not the same <laughs> voice we just heard well it is this, i think this is the first time uh her playing that character and i'm not sure if they I don't know, because as she's playing Marsha, maybe they had needed someone else to play her, so they're like, oh, can you do this line too? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, the doctor gives some good news. They got some medicine to help with the congestion. I'll be on the train in the morning, and it is actually nice. I, it probably would have made it a little bit darker, but it might have had a little more impact. They talked about it earlier, but no one dies from this spread yeah, here. Yeah, um, how about that? I think the Bradbury's talk, talk about... uh. They lost some folks in some place, and then he, uh, he kind of cuts her off because CJ is right there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Paws and Tails, they're not opposed to having characters die. I'm not saying that's a ba- major thing. There are a few instances 
um, in future episodes, either like historical episodes or like a biblical episodes or something like that. Um, but do you think this episode would have had a little more impact, a little bit, a little bit better if somebody, if it was the disease, was a little bit more serious? I really don't know, because there are maybe two or three different threads going on here at once. The the two off the top of my head are being the the sickness and the meaning of Christmas. And those kind of, kind of run independently of each other, although they intersect and instigate each other throughout the story. Um, whereas, because there's all this stuff going on, uh, I guess the townspeople and CJ lose sight of Christmas, and therefore they have to have a reawakening of it at the end. And so I think maybe having somebody die would further the this sickness is real storyline. And maybe if we had a bit more time to flesh it out, we could see one of the characters go through a sense of loss of losing somebody mm-hmm. and then coming back to, but it's Christmas. But I also feel like the way I feel about the plot would be seriously undercut and made even worse if somebody were to die and then the moral be presented at the end about Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, different thoughts about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad they didn't. Um, I don't think they would have done like, you know, like a major character might be something that they didn't know. Because I think if you have that in a story that if it's something that you don't get to know that much, like it's the only time you hear them, then it doesn't, it's not as impactful. <sighs> if only the writers of our favorite audio dramas would be less scared to just write people off the show by having them die a wonderful death. <laughs> <coughs> Tom Riley. <coughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thinking of like, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> true. <laughs> anyway, uh, the kids go to see Marsha and they're talking about the present that CJ has and they're all wondering like what's in the present like is it gold or whatever and Goose is the voice of reason like really he's a poor farmer guys really think yeah. he's gonna give you gold yeah <laughs> and that that's another thing of when when I'm also or when I was also younger and fantasizing about oh what could be in this box is it an iPhone no it's a it's a piece of toast no or whatever <laughs> and CJ well CJ also mentions he's not getting a canoe for Christmas I thought oh is that just because they can't have one shipped in the town or because they're just so busy hmm. or whatever. I had that kind of feeling. I was wondering, like, why everything shut down as much as possible. Was it because they didn't have time to? Do they not have enough money to? But I think your idea of, like, they're not able to get stuff brought in because they get a lot of stuff brought in to, I think, from the train and um, shipping. That's their two, I think, main imports and exports or whatever. Yeah. So maybe that, make, that makes sense now. But again, it, it probably could have been done better explaining that Mm -hmm. i liked the inclusion of the train because it's uh kind of uh i don't know it's even though we haven't really had it in any episodes yet we had it in the first episode it's pretty recognizable it was i think the very first episode we're introduced to the train and hear it well isn't that is that the intro or is that in the body of the episode i think it's not in the body of it i think it's the intro because you hear the train noises and they have that cucamonga thing in there yeah 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 right but i think there is more mention of the train later on and that does actually come a fairly major plot point later on um but up to the ones that you've heard so far this is probably the biggest inclusion of it maybe got it yeah it's pretty significant here so uh we do come to you know uh the church uh the kids are talking to marcia her, her her whole family's sick her brother which i'm if i'm not mistaken i think this is the only time I'm mentioning her brother because i don't think we ever hear her or hear him in any of the other series or any of the other episodes which i found interesting but th- again this is the very beginning of the show they're still mm-hmm. figuring everything out which makes sense. Yeah. I think it's probably a good thing. I mean, it's kind of, you know, unrealistic because we're not kids anymore. But, you know, CJ thinking it's gold is something really valuable. That I think if he... I think it's a lot of a more major plot point there because he thinks it is really valuable that he gives it away. That he doesn't keep it for himself. Oh, interesting. And if he thought if it was 
uh, something that was, oh, not that great. But he really thought that it was, you know, just something, oh, it's probably some cheap thing that he made it, made me or something like that. But I think because they thought it was so much revival, it he sacrificed, even though it wasn't a big sacrifice, but what he did, it cheered Marsha up and it helped in turn cheer the rest of the town up. Yeah, I noticed that as well, in that when he gave it to her, I initially thought, whoa, wait, that might be personalized for you, CJ, so it's kind of like a re-gift there, right? You might want to check it out and see what's actually in there. And then they went ahead and opened it before Christmas, which was, which was funny, because he was told <laughs> not to open it before Christmas. Um, but all that to say, um, I, I did notice that that he went ahead and gave it away. He said, um, what, these people don't have anything at all? Or these? it looks like everyone in here could use some Christmas cheer, mm-hmm. which, which I thought was nice. Yeah. It turns out to be a manger ornament. Also a note, too, which we don't hear um, what's written on it. And somehow that uh, leads uh, CJ to do something for the whole town. Well, we hear CJ going, yes, yeah, maniacally. And I think, hold up. Is it that really that significant considering your previous state of mind? And the note that he ends up reading, um, I have a huge thing on the end here. Um, I don't know if it, I don't know. Maybe I disagree with the whole episode. I don't know. Can I bring up something real quick in this scene that we kind of skipped over? Yeah. Uh, and I referenced this earlier in the the review where CJ is um, where CJ is saying, "Wow, we we don't have that, and, and that this is pretty pretty crummy Christmas." I think is what um, Stacy says. And then Goose says, "Oh, you guys, no Christmas cheer, no canoe, no trophy. These folks can't even go home for Christmas." And then the conversation gets to the point where CJ is about to say, "You don't think I have a right to?" And then Marsha interrupts, and that is something I have been de- struggling a lot with back or it's something I had struggled with a lot back in March in that everything for me was canceled. And so, yes, I had a right to complain about it. Did I complain about it? Yeah. With my parents, we talked about it a lot. And with those people who really cared about me and with those people who I knew were going through the same, the same thing, did I make myself uh, like a, a subject of pity about it? No, because I knew that people were going through worse than I was. But part of what I'm wondering about this episode is it seems to be saying, don't complain when there are worse people off than you are. That line of reasoning doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me, but it's a sort of thing of where can you still um, be happy about what you have or be, I guess, concerned about what you don't have and still recognize there are people who are worse off than you are and not be an ungrateful wretch about it? I don't know. And that's, again, that's what I've been working through. And I think CJ, in complaining to his friends and making a big deal about it and not just moving on from it, that's his problem. Not that he has, not that he's a little concerned that um, he doesn't have these things, but more so that he's making it a bigger deal than it has to be. Well, I think this episode does a good job. Like, I think Marsha is the one that cuts him off. Like, don't have a right to complain or something like that. And she cuts him off there. Yeah. I think because he knows that, you know, this is not the time to, he doesn't continue, he knows this is not the time to do that. And I think maybe when he sees all these people are sick, they can't go home for Christmas, they can't be with, you know, do all the things they want to do. Again, this is like something that, you know, could have been brought out me a little bit better. But I think that's probably what the, part of the catalyst, not just the note, not just the present. He sees his friend and all his, all her family and all these other people there, like, okay, maybe... I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be so, you know, self-pitiful or whatever you want to call it with that. I don't think the episode is saying that you shouldn't complain, but you need to keep it in perspective. Like, okay, what I have, you know, it's kind of a cliche, like, you know, there's always someone worse off than you are, which is true um, in most cases. But I think CJ kind of realized that, like, okay, at least I'm healthy. At least 
I think he talked. I don't think they say that his parents are sick, but he's not really having a, the Christmas he wants. So I think when he sees like, okay, the stark difference between his life and someone else's, I think that's one of the main catalysts that gets him to change his mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we talked about this on the last review with episode three, um, in terms of I kind of, I kind of feel like the episode was saying something a little bit more, I don't know, different than it, you were thinking it was saying, and that rubbed me the wrong way. And maybe that'll be brought out of the next scene here. I don't know. I'm ready to get into it if you are. Okay. So they read the note and they go off. They go off to uh, work on something or a quest. And Goose says, "Oh, I love it when we're on a quest." <laughs> um, and they ring. Someone rings the church bells, and people come out to see what's going on because it's ready, whatever it is. And they turn on some lights, and they have. So, okay, so this is one thing I wasn't quite sure about because they talk about early, like, there's an angel with one wing and there's some half-finished camel or something like that and all this stuff. Is all that's up there that's finished, is it just the manger and then they have, like, a tarp over the stuff that's unfinished and they just have the manger itself? Because I think, in my mind, I like to think that it's that. That sounds a lot more impactful, but I'm not quite sure if that's how you felt it was or not. I assumed that the manger was obviously the focus of it as it always was in the, the setup. Um, I think, but either way, it seems like whatever they have half set up, either if it's part of the town as well, also set up and then the junk has a tarp over it or none of the town is set up and there's just the manger. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I, how exactly I thought about it. Yeah. I think, I think the latter sounds a lot better, but again, I think that could have been explained a little better. And if they had that, like, wait, where's all the other stuff? There's just the manger there. Like, Oh, I think that would have been really nice. Yeah. Good point. Good point. And then CJ reads the note, uh, which is Isaiah nine, six, uh, for unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given. And I'm not trying to discount. I'm not trying to discount the verse itself. And since I'm not in the position that they were in, how impactful it was, it's like, I don't know. I just feel something a little bit off. Yeah. Like I know they're talking about, yeah, it is about Jesus. I just think that things weren't communicated the greatest that it could have been, that that verse could have had a little more impact if the things around it were a little bit written a little bit better. I am so glad you picked up on that because we are both pretty, I mean, you are a, a extreme connoisseur in audio drama and books and things like that. I know Odyssey. I know a bit other audio drama and I know this. And so based on what we we've gone through also this year, we should be able to relate to these characters. And the fact that we can't is a little bit telling. So do you mind if I get into this? Yeah, go ahead. So CJ reads the verse and he reads from to us, a child is born unto us. A son is given. And the, is it the mayor or the doctor says, well, I've heard that verse before, but I never thought about it that way. And, he was a doctor. Okay. And Papa Chuck says, well, yeah, we've all heard that verse, but CJ just read it differently. Like they were words spoken by God himself. And I think unto us, a child is born. Would God say that himself? I would think that God would say unto you, a child is born, right? Because God is the child, God, the father, God, the son. Um, I don't feel like that's something God himself would speak. But besides the point of that, Obviously, all the town already knew this verse, but then the narrator says, because of that verse, the whole town went back home, I think in their own, in their own, and their, I guess their own houses and worshiped Jesus on his birthday. Now, episode, forgive me for being a little bit skeptical here, but if the, if all of the town is already, are already Christians and they already agree with the message of the verse, then they know what Christmas is about inside in their subconscious or maybe even in their, the forefront of their mind. So if they were distracted by what was going on and they already knew that verse. 
and then CJ read the verse to them. And it changed them so much to hear the verse spoken in a ish way. And then they went from their disappointment of what was going on to forgetting their disappointment because there are people who have it worse off than we do. That wasn't even the point. The point was they just forgot their disappointment because Jesus is born. I don't understand where the emotional development is there because the, the, because they go from a place of, oh man, we don't have the Christmas that we wanted to have to we have less than we wanted and we're fine with it because this verse exists. And I thought, that doesn't seem like the correct way to work through your disappointment. Um, I maybe it's just me, but I don't, I don't really get how, I don't really get how the progression of the verse itself led them to that conclusion. Again, because they already knew it. If they hadn't known the verse before, and this was new material to them, where oh, it, you mean Christmas isn't about this? But more, it seemed like a reminder, a sobering reminder, not an exciting reminder. You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, how I'm portraying my thoughts here. Does that all make sense? I, I can see where, where you're coming from. Um, I kind of take it as uh, I know it's kind of a generalization. The ta- whole town isn't they're not all Christians, but I say probably the majority of them are. Yeah. But I think it's kind of a kind of like CJ too, like where it talks about. Uh, they do kind of forget. I mean, I'm sure all of us one time or another kind of either intentionally or unintentionally, you know, got busy with stuff like forget, okay, why are we doing all this? And even those that weren't, you know, like for us, that we've actually been pretty blessed, have a pretty fairly normal Christmas, I would assume. Yeah. And compared to everybody else. But for people that, you know, I think there's a point where you can get so wrapped up in what you're going through, not that it isn't important, but you forget, okay, wait a minute. God is still with us. God came to us just a reminder. It's not like they didn't think about it. It's just a reminder. And then they had, you know, I, again, I wish they would have focused like if they had just the manger there and it's like the hills of Bethlehem and that way, I think that would have worked a little bit better because, you know, you can't see what's going on here. I think it should have been written a little bit better so you could see, make it it'd be a little more impactful that way. But I think that it's more of a reminder. The verse is, I don't think it's, I've mean, never heard of that before, but the circumstance that they're in, if they did forget about it and got too wrapped up in what was going on around them, and also too hearing it from a child instead of like you know from your pastor or an adult or something like that, hearing it from a child do all this for Jesus and all that, you know, it's gonna it's gotta have to pull at your heartstrings a little bit. It probably does, and I I guess I kind of get that, but then I come back to if they're going through hard times and they're forgetting about the um the reason for Christmas. And then CJ hears a reminder or CJ gives a reminder of, okay, Jesus Christ was born or for unto us, a child was born unto us, a son is given. That's not a huge reminder of the true meaning of Christmas salvation and God's Christ's sacrifice for us. Maybe they could have dwelt on that instead where Jesus made all these sacrifices to come to earth as a baby for us. Can't we be grateful of that? That's I think more impactful than the way it was presented here. And here it's more along the lines of, okay, that's the root of Christmas. And now I'm going to remember that and forget about my disappointment. It feels like they're taking the wrong road here in covering up their disappointment and focusing on, I mean, I sound like a Scrooge when I'm saying this, or or, or I don't know what I sound like when I'm saying all this, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I see what they're going for. I just don't know if it was executed well. Do you think maybe a different verse would have been better? 
Because I'm thinking like maybe even just John 3.16 would have been a, real, a better fit, maybe. I don't think so, because it doesn't address the fact that they are going through hard times themselves. It's more along the lines of uh, other people have it worse than you do, I think. That's still the point here. Or maybe like those who lived in darkness have seen a great light? Uh, yeah, maybe. Or I think I think it would have to be an overhaul of CJ's speech and Papa, what Papa Chuck says. They would have to rewrite the whole thing. And that's more involved than i would say this episode deserves at this point not deserves because it would still be still be great but you would have to do a lot of tweaking throughout the episode and change a lot of the thesis of the episode i think also too i i like papa chuck but at the end it seemed like a little bit me a little bit over dramatic and also things like wipe that frown off yeah uh, frown off your face you old grouch christmas just came to wildwood it sounded a little exactly. bit over the top and kind of cheesy a little bit and also like i don't think people really necessarily grouch it's not like oh I hate Christmas or whatever. It's more of you know I'm very dis- I'm very sad at my circumstances. But that's the thing. That's what the episode is saying. They were the episode is saying they were grouchy because they didn't get what they want. Just like CJ with his canoe, they all didn't get what they want, and they're being selfish. So now that we know, even though we already knew this, now we're hearing again. Jesus came for us. Now we got to forget about all that. No matter how important it is, you're just being grouchy. So forget about it because you need to worship Jesus. And I think that's rather dismissive of everyone in the town. And maybe they were inspired by it. But the way he says that line also makes me think the episode is being a little bit, not judgmental, but a little bit uh, pushy in terms of what it's saying. So I think what we're probably coming down to is this episode probably wasn't as cohesive. Like there was... I mean, multiple things that wanted to accomplish, but only it didn't stick with one of them. Like, it seemed like it started out differently, and then it progressed into something else. No, I think it was pretty consistent on its moral. I just disagree with the moral. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of thinking of, like, A Lamb's Tale, where it's, like, a few different episodes, or a few different stories that all kind of intertwine to a certain extent. Yeah, I love that episode. I think, I mean, was it Sacrifice? I think was, like, the, the main theme of it or something? I think it was Sacrifice. I don't even think that episode needs to have a main theme. You can pull out little themes here and there from every single one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then also, too, even though I like the inclusion of it, it's too sudden. And that's Nana Cindy starting to sing Silent Night because there's no pause whatsoever there. <laughs> and maybe I'm kind of comparing it to, like, Gifts from Guy where Wit has his speech. And then there's, like, like uh, Hope When We Look at That Star, We Will Remember It or something like that. And then there's, like, two or three seconds and then Tom starts singing by himself. This sounded like way too sudden. I think if it was just a two or three seconds of just like the like everybody can kind of quiet and then she starts singing, I think it would have been better. Man, what a great episode. Imagine guy. So I don't know if I was comparing it too much, but I didn't know. Did you feel that was too sudden or do you think it was okay? I think I was already turned off by what Papa Chuck just said. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. It would have been it would have benefited from a couple more seconds. Yeah. And then also I, I did like uh, the narrator comes in and. The people singing is still underneath, which I like that. That's a, I think it's a really good way to fade out there. And then it's kind of interesting. He says, like, uh, that Christmas, that, or, and then he says that again. Like, he's kind of almost, <laughs> like, I don't know, emotional or, like, he's, like, putting more emphasis on that. I found it kind of interesting because sometimes they give the narrator more personality than others. And I think this is one of the times that they give him a little more personality, like, make him feel more real. I remember hearing that and I thought, wait, is he going to cry? Um, and then, uh, I, lo- I like the music that fades out on it. It goes into this, is it like a horn or a, what kind of instrument it is? It comes in at the end. I, I love how the music ends right there. And then we go into the song, uh, which actually I think 
this is the only time in the series where the name of the song and the name of the episode are the same thing. It's called The Perfect Christmas Gift for the episode and the same for the song. So I'm wondering if the title for the, the song came first or the story for the episode and they made it the same. I'm, I'm wondering how that happened. Huh. That would be funny, yeah, to tell or maybe... I mean, to to understand the production behind it of when do they write episodes? Do they write the song around the episode and and how that works? Mm-hmm. So, what did you what did you think of the song? So, um, a couple things. I really like the instrumentals. Tim Hospin, great job on that. The lyrics are a little bit cliche, mm-hmm. and I have a a little nitpick about a one part of the lyrics that I think might be I don't know about the theology of it, where, um. The, the lyrics are about the, the gift, I guess, of salvation. Yeah, the gift of salvation. And the lyrics are, you can't buy it because it's free and it's for all who just believe. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I can get where you're going no, there. No, you don't have to just believe. Repent and believe. And also, the way that we bought it was by believing in Christ. And I think a lot of people overlook that. Uh, sometimes in the church and in some uh, sectors of Christ or sectors of Christianity rather that where you don't have to do anything to receive salvation. Well, you have to repent. Yeah. That is the only action you make to turn to God because that's how you exercise your free will. I'm not a Calvinist. Uh, I, I do believe in that free will. And that if you, if, because God calls us to accept salvation, we have to turn around and that is our act of repentance and act of believing in him. And those two go together. And so just believing is, not is not enough and the word just in there is the is the the turning point for the or not the turning point but it's the the linchpin on this and that if you take out the word just the, the song is fine if you leave in the word just i think eh, well not not really um but other than that i i was really enjoying the song i i thought it was nice yeah i think it probably ties into i uh i think the verse uh you know believe in the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved mm-hmm. i think some people probably may go too much into that or that's the only thing i have to do is believe well er, you know Every a lot of people believe in God. A lot of people believe Jesus or believe that He is what or is the Son of God. But you know, not you know, not just because you believe in someone or believe in God doesn't mean that you're a Christian. So I think that's also not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of God or will mm-hmm. like will will inherit it or will be saved. Right? That's the yeah. Verse. You know, and you know, Satan believes in God and Jesus. That doesn't make him a Christian. And he trembles. Yes. <laughs> I think also, too, it might be part of, you know, like where you see a lot of decorations as believe or something like that on Christmas decorations and that kind of stuff. I think that's, yeah, a little bit cliche sometimes. And also it could be more, some people maybe, you know, have it more towards, oh, believe in Santa Claus or believe in the reason for the season or something like that. Yeah, it works for Santa Claus. Yeah. It works for the Polar Express, just not for Christianity. Uh, Did you notice in the song... uh, the verse uh, Isaiah nine six is added in there, like as yeah, a tag. Yeah, and that made me think this verse was very intentional in being there in the episode. Yeah, I think it works better in the song than it does the story itself. Yeah, and then at the end, well, actually, I should go back up and say this. I think is also Sandy Howell singing again here. Uh, I think she's singing the first song and naturally, yeah, I think she's singing the first song, uh, Solid Rock, and then uh, this one. She sings several other songs later on and. Um, I hope we get, can get to these episodes, but there's some there's some episodes. It's a, it's a three parter where she sings for one of the characters, and there's some of the best songs of the series. Maybe we'll get there some point. I don't know how long it'll take us, but yeah. All right. Well, and then we also hear a little bit at the end. I wish we had 
a theme the theme at the beginning, but we hear this Christmas version of the Paws and Tails theme song underneath the credits at the end, where you have like these bells and some like uh, a drum or like a snare drum or something. Yeah, it's very brief. As an audio editor myself, I can tell that it's just Christmas e extra tracks in- superimposed on the original score. Uh, it's not an alteration of the original score like John Campbell does for Odyssey. It was uh, they did that by using the instant Christomatic. <laughs> what I so. I'm always confused. Why does he turn into Tinkerbell? <laughs> Isn't that what he turns into? Yeah, he does. <laughs> All yeah. right. Is Peter Pan a Christmas movie? Oh, no. Okay, it was this this website that was saying Christmas movies on Disney+. Plus. I'm saying that Peter Pan looked like an elf. You stupid website. Be quiet. Okay, anyway. <laughs> okay. Forget that. Ah, let's go on. So we have... So the song ends, credits end. Here in this episode, again, um, for the first time in a while... Because of the things happening, I thought for me it felt it had a lot more meaning. I still, I had some of the problems I had with it, some issues with it. I didn't really was able to internalize them very well until I was able to talk with you about this, and I kind of can see now a little bit better why it felt a little bit off. Yeah, I would say this is probably my least favorite Christmas episode of Paws and Tales. I don't think it's the best either. Um, the best ones, which there's three of them in season two, and those are really good episodes. Okay. Um, this one. Again, it's the near the beginning of the series. I can give them some leeway with that. It's the first Christmas episode. Sometimes Christmas episodes can be, you know, hit or miss. Um, Day After Christmas is an example. Yeah. I think there's some good music in it. There's some good, I think, moments and lines in it. And because of, like, you know, kind of the relatability factor with, you know, the sickness and all that, which, you know, hopefully will happen again next Christmas and this will be only a one-time thing. I think for... The moment now, I think it works okay, and it's a good reminder of, you know, some things about Christmas. Um, but as for the entire series as a whole, and compared to the other Paws and Tales Christmas episodes and just Christmas stories in general, I don't think it works really well. It's a, it's a fun story, but if you think about it too much, you may not like it as much. Oh, as I tend to do. So, what, what, was, what was your overall thoughts on the episode? Agreed. I liked having a, um, a fun Christmas story to listen to. And if I treat it as a fun story, it's good. But in terms of the theology and the presentation, I, I've i already stated my opinion on it. Um, but I am glad that you uh, we, that we took the time to review it and talk about it because um, I don't know. I don't know. It it's a it's a sweet universe, I guess, or the the way the, the pacing of the characters is and the voices. It's it's nice. Um, and again, I stand by my posit that goose is the best character on the show and she continues to be in this episode so <laughs> so yeah um overall it's okay um i disagree a little bit but i think the presentation was fine oh and i forgot to mention this earlier did you notice at the end of the song they play a few notes from jesus loves me did, uh, no i didn't notice that that's cool yeah at some of the la- very last notes i mean it fits to a certain extent i mean if you think about it too much it may not work um with all the uh <laughs> conglomeration of all the other morals and messages they've had in this episode but it's kind of cool without having an entire song like some people add like a verse from a different song into another song but just having the music in it there like i guess you didn't pick it up so it's not a major thing but it's kind of cool if you're listening closely if i listened to this the third time i'd probably catch it just saying well um if you got some time here uh absolutely i can read some of the director's notes from uh this episode that david carl wrote yeah yeah go ahead so this comes from the tools for parents uh pdf um for this episode and um the director's notes i think we i think read some of them uh for one of the last episodes we reviewed i mean this will give us a little more perspective on it i'm gonna be probably skipping over some of this stuff here but uh basically it says it is hard to grow up in american culture and not be confused about christmas 
Sometimes even to Christians, the true meaning of Christmas is not clear. In this episode, I wanted the club and specifically CJ to see what Christmas would look like with all the other stuff, with all the stuff stripped away. It was heart-wrenching for CJ, and yet it was a great blessing for him as well. I see this pattern of his experience repeated over and over again. God wants us to give us a great blessing, but our hands are full of junk. Sometimes the junk is pretty good junk. It may be pretty fun, give us lots of good feelings, but compared to what God wants to give us, it is junk, and we have to let it go. Blessings are interesting. Occasionally they are surprises we didn't have the imagination to ask God for. Sometimes blessings are gifts that we get, but they can also be people or possessions that God takes away. CJ did not ask God for a clear personal understanding of the birth of our Savior. He thought he had Christmas figured out. It was fun, joyful, and full of family and friends. In his heart, he would never want Christmas to be any other way. However, God wanted to give CJ a great blessing that he didn't even want. And there's more to it there, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. So with that, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, coming to terms with, does God take away things from us that are good? Or does God allow bad things to happen and then use that in his plan? And I'll concede that, that God in this story took away um, what CJ perceived as good in order to show CJ the true meaning of Christmas. I'll concede that. But the trouble I have is when you then say those things are junk. And maybe they are. Maybe David Carl is actually correct and more researched in his theology. He obviously is. And I don't know where I'm coming from a place to say this, but I don't know if you can call everything that CJ was talking about junk. Because there was the outcome where he said that's what Christmas is about, giving gifts to others or or like being with others or his point. Those are good things. I wouldn't call them junk. Maybe junk has the connotation of being bad. And this episode portrays it as being bad in that way. And so for the characters to be happy because the junk was stripped away and for God in the story to have taken away the junk in order for them to see the true meaning of Christmas, it seems, again, diminishing of the fact that that junk may have been important to them and obviously was important and may not have been bad. So the delineation I would draw is what um, what are you doing about the junk now? Are you still disappointed that it's gone but celebrating Christmas? Or do you just not care about it anymore? This may be his personal feelings on this. Yeah. For I think every single episode they, they talk with a lot of different theologians, a lot of people at Insight for Living and stuff to get as good as an episode they can a good story and then also good messaging in it too. But this year, yeah, I mean, I can get the idea in general, but specifically applied to this episode, I don't think it works that great. I mean, again, junk has a connotation of being, you know, bad stuff, but, you know, are the decorations bad or, you know, gifts bad? Not in themselves. Here's the thing. I can totally understand where they're coming from. And maybe this is the thing of where I need to grapple with this issue and eventually come to terms with it. Odyssey has done this to me several times, e.g. Phil Lawler on Randall Revelations. Maybe he's right. Maybe maybe uh, David Carl is also right here, and I need to understand the message itself. And the reason I'm having trouble with it is because I don't agree with it, because I need to eventually agree with it. I don't, I don't know. That might, that might be the case here. What he talks about here, I think, is a little bit deeper than what the episode actually goes. So, it, I don't know. This might have been for, like, me a... Uh... I, I know episodes go through different drafts and stuff, but I think this episode, this the stuff he talks about me might have worked better outside of this episode. Yeah. Um. I don't think I don't think there's an episode that kind of talks about this like you know having all this stuff removed from you that you hold so dear. I mean, kind of like that with like the time has come with Eugene. Um. I don't think there's an episode quite like that in Paws and Tales, 
So I think the way he comes across in this and the episode itself, I don't think it matches that great. It doesn't meld together very well. And, and yet with, with the time has come, the way that it was presented in that is all that stuff is good. All that stuff is great stuff. Now it's gone. What are you going to do now that that stuff is stripped away? And Eugene came to the point where he accepted Christ in that moment, not diminishing the other things, not ignoring them, but saying in the midst of this, in all things, give thanks is kind of the, the point there. And maybe that would have been a better verse here in all, in all things, give thanks. And that they would, then, then the town would think, okay, we're going through a hard time, but we need to remember this is the reason. So we'll wait in anticipation for the rest of that to come back. But in the meantime, we're relying on God. Maybe that's what they did. And I just missed it. That's definitely what Eugene did. And, that seems to be what kind of maybe David Carl's saying here too, possibly. Well, it, I mean, he does say that said that you know it may be pretty fun and gives us good feelings, but compared to what God wants to give us, it is junk. Yeah. Which uh, coming yeah, with that, yeah. yeah, I mean, basically everything like what God gives us is perfect. What even if it's not a material thing, just like uh, the lesson we can learn from stuff um, is is good. And honestly, I don't think again, I think he probably could have used me a different word than junk. But, you know, I mean, I get the idea and the meaning for it, but I don't know. Okay, so if you're not liking Christmas in whenever this episode is being released. Why do you assume they wouldn't not, they wouldn't like it? That was a sweet little review of an episode that we jumped ahead to review. I, I enjoyed doing that. Yeah, like we didn't care that much for the episode, but there are better Christmas episodes in the future to talk about. So looking forward to that. I know, I saw your line there, Michael. You say that quite a bit. Well, co- oh, make me self-conscious about it then. I didn't know that I say that a lot. <laughs> that, I, I'm the editor for these things, so yeah, I pick up on those things. <laughs> I say it because it's it's worth it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right, so, thoughts. Thoughts on this episode. Thoughts on our review. Thoughts on this silly outro. Let us know. <laughs> Email us at walkthroughwildwood at gmail.com. Send a voice message. I will remind you about that later. And the next episode we're talking about is another holiday special. We jump all the way up to episode 29, oh. which is the last episode of season one. Don't worry, it'll still make sense, sort of. But anyway, this is the second holiday special of Paws and Tales, and the only Easter special. In that episode, we will hear a Bible story brought to life. You can buy this episode on CD or MP3, get the full version of this episode or any other episode of Paws and Tales without ads. Some episodes have stuff cut from it that are only in the CD or MP3 version that's not on the podcast feed. Go and do it. If you like the show, go and support Inside for Living so we can make more new episodes. I know Michael keeps getting after me for doing this, but subscribe to the podcast if you want. Happy Michael. Yeah, yeah, that, that's correct. There you go. Nice job, Austin. <laughs> okay, yeah, I kept it short and sweet that time. I'm not so sure about the future, but we shall see. That's my... Christmas, non-Christmas gift to you, I guess. Okay, social media. Facebook and Instagram. We're on those places. Look for A Walk Through Wildwood. Connect with us there. Get updates on the show. And connect with other Paws and Tales fans. And again, send a voice message to us. You may be featured in a future episode of the podcast. Yeah, we, we respond to every single message that we get, whether it's voice message or otherwise. And we'd be happy to add your name to the list of people who have been friends of the podcast. Exactly. Well, thank you, Michael, for joining me for this. And thank you, listener, whoever you are, for listening to this podcast as well. And we hope you'll join us once again for another episode of A Walk Through Wildwood. We'll see you then. Ah, uh, Austin, I'm feeling kind of bad. Can I pull the car over? <laughs>